Here we are. It's me, John Park, and uh, welcome to John Park's workshop. I'm back. Uh, thank you for uh, for coming to check this out. I'm gonna tune my audio level there a little bit. Um, so yeah, I was out uh, last week on Thursday and Friday, but uh, now I'm back and, and refreshed and uh, and ready. Uh, so let's see what have we got going on today. First of all, if you are interested in hanging out in the chat room. Uh, head on over to Discord. The Adafruit Discord is at adafruit.it slash discord in order to get yourself a uh, invite link. And then you can uh, pop into Discord and uh, hang out with all these fine folks. Look, there they are. There's, there's our Adafruit Discord right there. Uh, hey, Fede2. Uh, nice to see you. So uh, let's see. Mark Gambler is stuck on, a, on mute on a conference call. All right, well, pay attention to your call, not this. Come on. All right, you can pay attention to this. Uh, all right, good. Well, hey, thanks. C. Grover says the, the voice audio level is good, so uh, I am glad to hear that. And C. Grover is our expert, so expert in all things audio. Thank you. Uh, all right, let's see. Um, what are we going to do? Let's take a look. Uh, first of all, a couple little housekeeping details I wanted to mention uh, before I forget that we've got a uh, job board. You can go and check out the job board at jobs.adafruit.com. Uh, I'll pull up that site right now, in fact. And uh, there you go. That's the, the jobs.adafruit.com. You can sign up for free uh, and you can uh, register your info if you're looking for work, if you want to be included in the pool of people who, who are uh, showing off their skills there. Uh, and you can also look for jobs. It's free to post a job as well. Uh, there's no cost associated with any of it. So uh, did I mention it's free? It's free. And there are uh, plenty of positions on here that are not uh, on site. There are remote positions. There are contract jobs, freelance jobs. So all sorts of uh, interesting things if you're looking for work, be it uh, picking up a gig or full-time employment, you might find it there. So go check that out. I encourage you. Uh, let's see, the uh, next thing I wanted to mention is that, if you didn't know, I do a show for the Microsoft Make Code channel, which has moved on over now to Twitch. So that's over on Twitch TV. Uh, we used to have that on Mixer, but Mixer is going away. Uh, and I also rebroadcast that to all of the usual Adafruit places. Uh, and if you are into... Make Code, or you want to learn more about Make Code, head there every Tuesday. Look, I put the, the time on there so I wouldn't get that wrong. Tuesdays at 12 Pacific, 3 Eastern. And each week I do about an hour-long set of building a project, usually from scratch right before your very eyes, or if it's a more complex project, I'll pull in some pre-made pieces and explain the logic of how it was put together. Uh, last, uh, last Tuesday, I... I showed this off. This is this little mixer that I built with five faders and a, uh, whoa, <laughs> I'm going to pull the, the NeoPixels off and a NeoPixel strip that I just kind of barely tacked on there with some glue. Uh, and uh, a Feather M4 Express showing how to use maker.makecode to code boards that aren't just the Circuit Playground Express or the, the Microbit or the arcade boards that you're used to. The Maker Make Code kind of covers a whole slew of boards and uh, I was able to show how you could use faders to mix colors and uh, use a fader as a selector to go through some animations and things like that. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff you'll find there. Also, check out all the other great shows that are on the Microsoft Twitch. It's at twitch.tv slash msmakecode. And there are different shows, different times of the week, including advanced arcade shows. I'll actually be showing something from one of the arcade shows today uh, that I thought was really cool. Uh, there are Microbit, Minecraft, Lego, all, all the different kinds of make code uh, projects and, and uh, coding environments you'll find there on the twitch.tv slash msmakecode. So go check it out. Uh, let's see, what else have we got? Uh, I'll be doing a little special show until this afternoon after my show. So at uh, 2.30 Pacific time, 5.30 Eastern, I'll uh, pop on over to my studio, not my workshop, but over to the studio. And uh, I'll host a little mini show and tell, about a half hour long. If you have something you'd like to show, 
please come on. If you don't, that's okay. You can watch and see what other people bring on. If no one brings anything on, I'll show a thing or two and then we'll get out of there, all right? But uh, come on over. There's, there's usually overflow on our Wednesday night show. So uh, even though that's an hour long, we still have so many people with so many great projects to show that uh, I encourage you to come over and, and uh, show something today at 2.30 Pacific time. Uh, all right, what else? Uh, you know what? I'd like to mention a... Oh, there goes my speaker making noise. We'll see how that does later. Uh, I'd like to mention a product pick of the week. And this is one... Usually the, project, uh, the product pick of the week is something that I have used in a project or at least played around with. This is one that I somehow didn't know existed at all until recently. I was aware of some of its uh, kind of companion projects, but I didn't know this one existed. And this one looks super cool. This is the... Pimeroni Player X USB game control PCB. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and order one of these and, and put together a demo with it because it looks really fun. What this is, this is a, in fact, let me show it, show it in our uh, browser here. Here it is. And this, uh, this little board is ready-made as a USB game controller. And what that means, hold on, I'm going to turn off this speaker, which is flipping out. There you go. Uh, what this means is that you can plug in joyce, a joystick and something like a dozen buttons, 10 to 12 buttons into this. Um, like so. Here you can see three buttons and a joystick plugged in. And it uses the uh, DuPont connectors, these little uh, connectors here, to make it easy to plug in. And in fact, there's even a, uh, a wiring harness kit that you can buy. Uh, looks like this, Pimeroni Wiring Loom. And this has the type of uh, spade connectors, uh, terminal spade connectors that connect onto the joysticks and the buttons. And then the other ends plug right into that board. And it just shows up as a USB game controller. So you can use it with a PiCade, which is what it's designed for, for adding multiple extra sets of controls to a PiCade, which is a, a Raspberry Pi-based machine. But this just is a USB HID game controller, so it will show up on pretty much anything, uh, a, a Mac, a Windows, a Linux box. Um, I think it also has a feature that I haven't seen used much on here, but it looks pretty cool. I think it uses dot star LEDs on this uh, little, let's see if I can zoom in here, on this little uh, plug here that says plasma. Uh, that is a Pimeroni name for uh, RGB LED buttons. So they actually sell some little uh, adapters, I think, that go inside of arcade buttons, clear arcade buttons, uh, that allow you to do RGB lighting effects as well. So. Both, both of those are things I'd like to check out. The lighting and, and just this board in general looks really great. Uh, it costs $12.50, and you could layer multiple of these, multiple, multiple of these together and uh, use a hub and just plug in a whole bunch of controls if you need to. So it could be useful for art projects, uh, other user interface projects, kiosks, not just game machines, but definitely uh, would work well with game machines. And it just plugs in USB micro uh, over to your machine. Um, so check that out. That's my product pick of the week. The highly cool looking Player X USB game control PCB from Pimeroni. Uh, all right. Let's see. Let's check in with the, the chat here. Uh, oops. Now I've, now I've done it. There we go. Hey, chat. Um, we have some waving. Hey, Dan Mitchell. Hey, C. Grover. Hey, Mr. Certainly. Welcome and hello. Uh, I should also check out the YouTube chat here. Hey, FX Music. Uh, you, uh, yeah, you should check out the, the Make Code show. Thanks, FX Music. That would, be, that would be awesome of you to check that out. I uh, usually think that it's a, a, an interesting show for a wide variety of, uh, of viewers. I aim for that, at least. That's my goal. Uh, okay, so now I think it's time to bring on the Make Code Minute. How about that? All right, so let's get set up here. Now, this one is a little bit uh, different than usual. And in fact, I'm going to head just to this singular view here. Uh, and I'll bring up my Chrome browser, which is what you're looking at right there. And what I wanted to show today in the Make Code Minute is the new makecode.com slash streamer 
service and site. So this is really cool. This is uh, something that Peli of the Make Code team put together to make it easier to stream Make Code. So typically, if you're thinking of streaming, you'll want to stream into something like uh, OBS, for example. And OBS will allow you to collect some different screens and cameras together, but can be a little bit complex. And so what Streamer is, is it's a way inside of a single web browser session to do all of those things, bringing in cameras and your browser. So this is the site, makecode.com streamer. When I go here, you'll see I've got a image here of one of my cameras. Uh, we have a little caption text we can put in. If I switch, to add a second camera, I can use something like a, a downshooter USB. These can all be USB cameras um, so that you can show a project that you're working on. And if we push these off to the side, you can see we have a make code session here. In the uh, little gearbox settings, we can pick which uh, make code we're using. Arcade, Microbit, uh, the betas of those, Minecraft, and so on. Uh, so if I go to Maker Make Code, you'll see it switches out the browser. You can even have two of them at once. And then some of the other options here include which camera you're using for your face camera. Uh, you can put it in a circle or as a, leave it as a square. Uh, you can rotate the image on one of those. Uh, let's see, my, my camera image went funny. So let's go back to this beta here, see if it refreshes it. Uh, let me close that. There we go. Uh, yeah, okay, it's beta. <laughs> it's definitely having, having an issue there with that camera. Let me try to see if I can pick a different camera in there. Uh, let's go pick a USB. There we go. And let me flip back to my FaceTime camera. Oh, it's not liking that one at the moment. Okay, uh, so we'll switch to a different camera. Uh, but you can see here it's got just, uh, just enough features to do what you want. It's not as complicated as something like the typical streaming software that we use. Uh, allows you to pick which camera you're using for your documents. Uh, you can even do some countdown timers. If we uh, want to draw over top of a session, we can uh, head up to these drawing tools and do things like point at stuff or add emojis. Uh, so it's really uh, a pretty fully featured but simple to use way to do make code streaming. So uh, if you've ever thought about doing some streaming, you should check this out. You can also use it for recording. So you can uh, hit the record button, I think up in, oh, let me get out of, out of drawing mode here. Uh, close that. And there's a, a record button. You can do closed captions uh, and take a screenshot. So really cool uh, that the make code team has given you a way to do your streaming. Oh, and it's, you know what? It's conflicting with, with all of my other cameras right now. So I'm going to try to close that uh, there so I avoid too much chaos. And oh, I've done it now. I've done a number on my, my cameras. Let's see. Can you see over there? Okay, that one's live still. Uh, so I'm going to sneak into this camera now and uh, say that is your Make Code Minute. So go check it out. It's makecode.com slash streamer. And that's your Make Code Minute. All right, now we'll see if there's a way for me to recover uh, that camera view. Sorry, I knew I, knew I was taking uh, a, a dangerous course of action there in trying to broadcast a broadcasting thing inside of another broadcasting thing. So uh, let me see if I can change my camera source real quick on this view so that I'm not just that still image you're looking at. Hold on one second. And no, you know what, I'll add a new, let me see if I can add a new one that uses that camera. Do, hello, no, I really broke that. All right, so um, in that case, we'll switch over to uh, the bench cam for a little bit and uh, maybe dare messing with that later. And I'll come back around also to the uh, Mick Coder Kid game pick of the week, but what I want to do now is jump into the project of the week. So uh, first thing I'll do actually is show you a little overhead view uh, of my clue board. So my project of the week is this clue-based Bluetooth MIDI controller. And 
the idea behind this is it's similar to the Power Glove uh, project that I did, but that was using a feather and it didn't have any kind of a display and it was a bit involved. It used a vintage Power Glove and the flex sensors. But one of the features of that was the ability to move your hand to change a couple of uh, controller values on a MIDI device. So let's go, uh, let's go over and, and I'll do a demo of this so you can hear it in action and then we'll come back and, and talk about how it works. So let me unplug this and let's head over to the bench. Uh, I'll give you a full, full view there. And okay, so what I have set up here is this is a iPad running uh, the Moog Model D or Mini Moog um, synthesizer software. And let me try turning this little powered speaker back on just so you can hear things a little louder. Let's see if it wants to come on. Oh, it may have run out of power. Maybe that's what it was yelling about. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Okay. Okay, so you can hear We've got a little synthesizer with some typical uh, subtractive synthesis controls on it. And we've got a little mini keyboard on here. Now you can uh, play it directly on the screen, but you can also uh, send MIDI to commands to it. Musical, interfa musical interface, no, musical instrument digital interface, MIDI. Uh, so MIDI can be uh, a few different things. It can be sent over sort of a traditional uh, large-ish looking uh, DIN cable like you might see on the end of this gizmo right here. Um, this is a typical MIDI cable. And so these came out in the early 80s, 1983 and on. Uh, this was used to connect instruments together. Now we also have a USB version of that. So I can do things like send commands from an external controller. Uh, here's a little sort of sequencer drum pad device. So I can uh, plug that in and it'll send MIDI controls to this. And this was actually pretty good for uh, sending notes to this device. But what I want to do is be able to adjust some of these knobs. And you can see to adjust these knobs, you kind of touch them with your finger and wiggle up and down or in a circle, depending on how it's set up. Uh, and it's a little imprecise. There's a lot on there. It's a smaller screen. And so rather than fool around with these knobs, what I'm going to do is send MIDI that th the third way I mentioned. There's, there's a few ways to send MIDI. Third way is wirelessly. And so this will use Bluetooth uh, low energy, BLE, to send MIDI commands to the iPad, which also has uh, Bluetooth MIDI on it. And then we can map those commands that we're sending to any of these knobs. Um, so if I plug in some power on my clue board here, uh, what you're going to see is it starts up and it's going to say that it wants to connect uh, to a Bluetooth device. So I will use uh, a little sort of secondary piece of software to connect the Bluetooth MIDI and port that over to uh, the Moog synthesizer app. So now it says Bluetooth BLE MIDI is connected. And uh, if I, let's see, let's try restarting this actually. It should disconnect there and I'll reconnect it. Okay, I think that's working. I should be seeing uh, output here, which I'm not, but let's go over to the Moog app and, and check it. Um, so what happens is I'm telling this to send out MIDI uh, when I tilt left and right. That's going to send MIDI over this first MIDI channel that I've picked uh, to CC71. And when I tip it back and forth, it's going to send MIDI commands over the command 72. Um, so what I can do, let's, um, let's, use, let's use those as they are right now, and then we'll, we'll fool around with that some. Uh, so what I can do is I can just hold down notes. Oh, you know what? I don't think it's, let's see if it's connecting or not. Huh, you know what? Something is happening here, something funny. Because I should be seeing, I should be able to update things on here. I think something's gone crazy. This is, this is going to be one of those shows where loads of things go weird, isn't it? Let's see. 
All starting with that uh, FaceTime camera. All right, so it's saying to connect to BLE like it isn't yet connected. So let's try reconnecting. That's not connecting, huh? You know what, let me go out to the main system settings here. And I'll turn Bluetooth off and on. cycle this guy. Okay, Clue BLE MIDI. Let's go ahead and connect that. I think that was the problem. I think I had lost that connection. Okay, it's connected there. Now we'll, now we'll use this sort of secondary software to port it over. And... Let's go over to our synth app. Huh, it's still acting like it's not connected. Okay, this is chaos. Let's, re, uh, let's re-upload the software to you. You can watch, I'll talk about what the software is. Sorry, this demo has gone backwards. So we'll, we'll talk about how it works and then hopefully we'll actually get it working in a bit. So I'm gonna plug into USB here. Uh, and I'll also, Show you that down shooter. Okay, so uh, the reason that I'm, I'm suspicious about what's going on is that we should see values changing. Oh, you know what it is? I forgot, I put this into debug mode. Okay, so this makes sense to me now actually. So if we look in uh, Moo here, I'll bring up my Moo session. I had set this into debug mode right before the show and forgot to take it out. So in debug mode, all it does is it shows me my, um, let me see if I can zoom that up for you. It shows me my accelerometer values. Um, and they, they're, it's very sensitive, as you can see. It's a lot of uh, digits here, a lot of decimal places. But it's essentially at uh, 0 through 9 when I tip the right side of the x-axis and 0 to negative 9 as I go to the left. Uh, and then I've got it uh, so that y starts at essentially 0 when it's flat and goes up to 9. Okay. Uh, so that uh, debug right there was the culprit, so I'm going to take that out of debug mode. I should probably make that something you can do from the interface on this, but you don't need it very often. Uh, so now it'll restart. It's, it's still saying connect to BLE. I should also give myself an indication on the screen that we were not uh, in actual running mode. And now I can take this uh, and let's go do those connections. So let's pop back over to the bench cam and this main cam here. And I'll head back to, uh, this app here is called MIDI Wrench. This is my sort of uh, MIDI port. It kind of ports the MIDI commands from Bluetooth over to any running app that'll accept it. Uh, so this was why I was thinking things were going weird before, is I wasn't seeing any values there. Uh, but now I am, so I'll see uh, a 127 is happening on uh, CC72. That's the maximum. Now it's down to zero, and tipping goes to 127 and zero. So now if we head over to the uh, synth app... So what you'll hear there is that I'm changing the uh, cutoff frequency of a filter. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll put this into an arpeggiator mode and let it hold uh, an arpeggio, which will sound a little more interesting. So what I have going on in that mode is the CC72 is telling the arpeggiator what subdivision to use. And the way you edit this stuff will vary depending on what you're uh, using. But here we have this Clue BLE MIDI Bluetooth shows up. And if I click on that and hit Map CCs, I can see all the knobs on here. Let me see if I can zoom in here a little closer for you. 
all the knobs on here can be set to different CC numbers. So uh, I have 71 controlling the cutoff frequency, that's this tilt, and I have 72 controlling the rate of uh, my tilt. Now, uh, or, or rather the rate of my arpeggiator with the tilt. Now what we can do is, you'll see I have something called 73 here on a delay, the mix of a delay. Um, what I decided to, one fun thing to use the clue for is that I can actually change which uh, CC number I'm sending out on X and Y axis right from the device. So the way that I do this is if I tap um, these two capacitive pads, I can pick between the two, and then the buttons will allow me to increase or decrease. So if we do uh, 73 on my tilt, actually let's do 71 on my side to side and 73 on my tip, then I'll be able to change the delay by tipping. So you don't actually have to go into your software necessarily to change it. You can change it right on the clue. Uh, so let's uh, now, oops, let's go ahead and, wrong synth. Let's go ahead and turn on uh, this little sequencer as well. So I'll hit play. <laughs> There I'm muting that frequency of the cutoff. And now I can increase the delay, or the mix of the delay. And so uh, the idea behind this is that I can sort of mount this. I'm going to use a, a small glove. You'll see as I put the guide together, I use a little small uh, glove or cutoff glove, fingerless glove, that sort of thing, uh, to simply mount the device as well as a battery or a battery pack that you could put in your wrist to have an on-off switch um, and be able to simply control with this hand. So you could even play... Of course, it's not mounted to me right now. I'll, I'll pretend. And oh, let me turn this back on. There we go. By having that on your hand, it becomes sort of an easy uh, to use extra control without needing, you know, yet another foot pedal or a button or a knob, uh, we can just have that mounted on our hand. Um, one thing you'll notice there a second ago, it wasn't working, and that's because I also uh, have one of these capacitive pads set to turn. Sorry about that. That was batteries dying on my mic pack. This is the show where all technical things that can go wrong will. <laughs> we have no camera left, and then the mic decides, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a little break as well. Um, so thanks for bearing with me with that. Um, so what I was just saying is that I've got a uh, one of the capacitive touch pads. There's three of them down here we can use on the Clue, and one of them I have set to just turn on and off sending. Uh, so I'll show this on the, the down shooter in a second, but you'll notice that works until we tap this button and now it's not doing anything. And you could even uh, adjust the code a little bit and have that be individual. So you could say, you know what, I only want to send whatever's sending on the x-axis for a while or change that to be only what's on the y-axis or turn them both on, turn them both off. Uh, it, you know, we've got a limited interface, but uh, a couple buttons, the accelerometer and these three touch pads give you a decent amount of flexibility. Uh, I'm not using, there's also a little proximity sensor on here, so you could definitely add that, maybe a little pitch bend or something based on uh, moving your finger towards or away uh, from this little proximity sensor that's uh, quite sensitive. So um, that might be one that I'll add in before I put the, uh, the final uh, code into the guide there. So let's take a look now at how 
uh, this works. And let me see if I can cook up a way to talk to you. Say hi to Slappy there. Uh, I'm going to tip my camera up. Let me turn this real quick. Let's see if that puts me on. Okay, sort of on camera. Um, so let's take a look at the code here, uh, and I'll keep that down shooter view there so you can see the device. Okay, uh, and what about a, let's put a me. Oh, that's, that's the wrong me. I gotta do one of these workshop cams, don't I? Let me add one camera real quick. Uh, which one is it is the question. Not that one. I'm just gonna adjust that real quick. Is it that one? It is. Okay. So we'll make that small and shoot that over there. Okay. Super behind the scenes action here today. Um, so what I have in the code, I'm going to bring up my Moo, um, is if we take a look at this, there's actually a lot that I was able to uh, reuse from the Power Glove controller. Uh, so this is using the BLE MIDI. Uh, so I'm importing Adafruit BLE uh, and the Adafruit BLE MIDI as well as advertising so that it shows up as a, a, a peripheral that's available. Uh, bringing in Adafruit's MIDI, uh, which allows us to do either the USB, the, the classic UART MIDI or, or the BLE MIDI. Uh, and I'm also bringing in control change. This one I don't need, which is note on, but we could have it sending notes uh, on and off, so as if we're pressing keys. Uh, we could also do pitch bend. I might need to bring that back in if I'm gonna um, do the distance sensor for pitch bend. And I'm also bringing in the accelerometer library so that we can use that, uh, a couple of axes of that accelerometer. And then I'm also bringing in some of the clue uh, display stuff. So uh, display I.O., terminal I.O., these allow me to, to easily write to the screen. And I'm using the label, uh, which is an easy way to write text, and the display shape rectangle to do some of those lines that are on there. Uh, I'm also bringing in the Clue uh, accelerometer uh, so that I can read X, Y, and Z axes of that. You could also do tap detection with it if you wanted to have something else happen when you tap the device. Uh, and I think you can do single taps and double taps as separate things. Uh, so at the beginning, I'm setting up uh, a MIDI control uh, channel number. So remember I mentioned that these are often knobs on a device. So here's a, here's a typical MIDI controller. Anything that isn't keys or buttons is typically going to be sent as a continuous controller change or CC change. Uh, so any of these knobs will just be sending over certain channels that are defined by the MIDI specification as things you might use uh, predefined stuff like uh, a foot pedal for sustain or a volume control or a modulation, sort of one generic modulation. Uh, pitch bend is sort of its own separate animal. But there's uh, numbers that you can use and if you go online you'll see you can, you can grab a whole bunch of numbers starting at 70 or open so I often use those. Uh, and so I'm grabbing 71 and 72 as my initial two uh, numbers to send out on X and Y. And then I'm picking a MIDI channel. So there are uh, 16 channels that you can send and receive. So multiple controllers or multiple instruments uh, can work together. So here I'm just going with sort of a typical MIDI channel one. And uh, I'm setting up my MIDI service as a BLE service. So it shows up as something that things can connect to that are looking for a Bluetooth uh, MIDI uh, peripheral. Uh, then setting up my MIDI uh, out over Bluetooth and which channel I'm using. Uh, then some uh, variables to set up things like uh, the number of elements that are going to be on my screen, the colors that I'm going to use for drawing text and boxes. Uh, then I set up the screen and this is using uh, the, the display I.O. bitmap uh, and color palette. And then I just start one by one adding in lines of text and lines uh, of sort of UI for colors. And I'll skip through this stuff until we get to where things get interesting because this is all just graphical setup here. 
Um, and then here we go, show the display. This pops it onto screen. And then you could see there was that uh, fatal uh, error I made leaving debug in true, so we'll avoid that one. Uh, here's what happens in the main loop of the program. If we're in debug mode, this is all that happens, just the things that are right here. So it's going to um, continuously send the uh, accelerometer data of X and Y to a print on the screen. So we see that stuff show up. If we're not in debug mode, then this is, this is what happens, sort of the, rain, the, the main meat of the program. Uh, so first thing we do is we just check to see if we're connected. Uh, and while we're not connected, we're just going to continuously look for a connection. Once we do connect, we uh, change the text at the bottom of the screen. Uh, down here, it will say connect BLE, and then uh, that will change to sending CC once it's connected. Um, when it's connected, we then start reading the accelerometer. So that's the first thing we'll do is check the accelerometer, X and Y. Uh, I then remap those values. So you'll see that when we bring in um, the accelerometer values, those were ranging from negative, uh, they're decimal uh, uh, numbers, so floats ranging from negative 9 to positive 9. Uh, and I'm remapping those to integers of 0 to 127. So that's what this int call does uh, for the two axes. And by playing around with this, you'll find, okay, this is positive x, negative x. Maybe you want to use it only in the positive and nothing in the negative. So you might map it from 0 to positive 9. Uh, same with up and down. We could go tipping forward. That could be another range uh, that we could use. But I, I, I decided just flat and up was what I would use. Um, and then let's see. What happens is uh, if I've got it sending. So remember, I have a button that'll, that'll tell it to send or not send. But if I've got it in sending mode, which is the default, then we're going to send, this is the MIDI send command over Bluetooth, a control change of the, uh, over to CC71, which is the default there, whatever the X value is, remapped. And on the uh, CC72, which was the default, whatever the CCY value is remapped to. And I'm also printing those constantly to the uh, screen. So you can see here, as I tip this, that top number is going to increase or decrease. And that bottom number there, it'll start at zero, and it stays at zero if I tip forward. Remember, I'm only reading from uh, positive Y changes. Oh, I'm, I'm accidentally touching this here. There we go, sending CC. Uh, up to 127. So that's the range of these, these controllers. Um, and then here's what happens with the button pressing. If I press button A, it's going to increase the X uh, controller, the CC controller number. Uh, a is actually going to de decrement it by one, and B button is going to increment it. And then depending on this toggle, so when I press the uh, capacitor touch one, we're going to change the first CC, and on capacitor touch, capacitor touch two, we're going to change the second one. So I can pick which one of those I'm sending uh, this button change to. And then you can see I can decide to send over an entirely different CC value there. Um, and that is it. Then when it's uh, disconnected from uh, Bluetooth, it'll print disconnected down here, and we can start all over again. So... Um, that is the, the basics of that. Uh, uh, sorry about the, the camera going out here, so you're getting this funny view here today of me. Um, but uh, that's the thrust of the project. I'm going to put together a learn guide so you can uh, build your own. And I'll also do a, a little bit of a, a, a glove mount interface. I don't actually think I have the glove I was using here. I think I left it in my studio. So um, that'll be something I show in the guide, but it'll be like a little fingerless glove. Uh, you could also do this like a wristband, uh, attach it to, a, to a, a wrist strap, or it could be on your body, could be on your head, any body part really will do. Animal, if you have a compliant dog or cat, uh, just ask them first. Uh, okay, so let's see. What I wanted to do now, uh, since, since I have sort of a camera setup working, I can jump into the game of the week. So let's uh, get set up for that a little bit. I will... Uh, pop this camera up and my Chrome browser, how about there? And I'm giving away the punchline here, but uh, my arcade game,
pick of the week is Goat Mountain or Mountain Goat. So uh, this was uh, a jam, a game jam that was done on the uh, Microsoft Arcade, uh, the, the Make Code Arcade live stream earlier this week, I think, uh, just a, a was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday, right after my show. I think it was at 1 o'clock Pacific yesterday. Um, and so uh, if you check out this video here, I won't, uh, I won't play audio because that will probably do weird things. But uh, if you look here, we've got uh, our team of, let's see if I can, why, let me see, can I full screen that? Oh, that doesn't do us any good. Uh, but Shannon, Vivian, Kimberly, and Joey from the Make Code team are, uh, have a great hour-long show where they go into building this game. Uh, and what this game is, if you click on this link below, this is all on forum.makecode.com. This game, let me go uh, large screen with it, is a goat stacking game. So you start off with one very sturdy goat down at the bottom and you build a mountain of goats by hitting the space bar or the A button on your, on your game uh, machine to drop a goat on top of another goat. Now, if you're a little too far off balance, the goat will go flinging off. Uh, as the stack gets larger, we move up in, in the scene's uh, sky. And there's also a danger of getting your goat's mountain to be imbalanced. So I'm going to try to stack goats here that lean off to the right. And eventually, that's going to be more than the base goat can handle. Uh, so this will get too tippy at some point. And boom, the whole goat mountain uh, <laughs> explodes. So this is really fantastic. And uh, it's, it's great because the team uh, goes through building it from scratch. So you can see uh, how this was designed and some of the thought that goes into it. Uh, one of the more interesting things I thought was the use of the center of gravity to determine when we're tipping too far. So there's a, uh, a center of gravity value that's being adjusted every time a new goat is added by looking at the extents, the far left and the far right of the sprites. And so uh, it's all default blocks. There's no, I don't think there's any custom extensions. There might be one uh, extension here for sprite data, which just makes it easier to tag your sprites with a little bit of metadata. But um, nothing other than stock beyond that. And uh, it's all done in blocks. It's not even done in, in JavaScript. It's all done in blocks. And at the end, you get a really uh, excellent goat dropping game. Uh, if you fall directly and don't even touch a goat, it's over. But you might want to adjust that. If you want to play around and never worry about dying, it's make code. So you can go in and, and change it. Uh, so that is my MakeCode arcade game pick of the week. Uh, I'll call it Mountain Goat, but it's officially called Stream 60 Mountain Goat. Uh, and uh, it's super fun. Go check it out. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, I, I guess I could have tipped this camera up a little more. Sorry about that. I didn't see where it was pointing. There you can see up into my rafters. You can see a whole bunch of old projects <laughs> up in there, too. Look, there's, uh, there's that one, and there's that one, and there's that, and Slappy. Uh, so, so you get a bit of an impromptu uh, workshop tour here today since I'm uh, down one camera. Uh, all right, let's see. What else did I miss? I know I got a little out of order there, um, but uh, one thing I wanted to to do actually was a little bit of a, a follow-up on uh, the, the project I did on the last episode, uh, and that is the continuation of the Lucio 2020 Blaster. So, um, and what I wanted to show, I, I'm working on the guide for this, hopefully it'll be done soon, but what I wanted to show, let me bring in, I've got a big board here that has my hardware for this project because it's all in pieces right now. Uh, they're all connected, but it's in pieces. And uh, what I want to show is the one of the really cool uh, features of this project is that now that I'm doing uh, all of these NeoPixel LEDs using CircuitPython and the LED animations library, I'm able to use a single digital pin 
to control the animation of all of these different NeoPixel shapes. So we've got this ring, this big 60 uh, NeoPixel ring that's on the end of the gun. Uh, we have three of these little um, 16 LED rings. We have a jewel NeoPixel, which is this little one here. Oh, that's not one in a focus, huh? It wants to focus on my face. That's how this autofocus works. And I have two strips of, I think these are 18. I was planning to just use 16 of them and, and a couple of them will be hidden by the, the plastic when it gets fitted. Um, so all of these I've interconnected with three pin JST cables. Uh, and they just, they just show up as, I think I have them on pin D6 or D9 on the board, whichever the uh, NeoPixel driver is on the prop maker feather wing. And inside of the uh, circuit Python, in fact, I'm going to open up this code and show you. LED animation library has this incredibly cool feature. Uh, let's see, we'll open it up in Atom here. Uh, I'll do that one and that, and we can hide that one. And we'll move this. There we go. Funny camera angles here today. Uh, and let me grab that atom, and I'll open up the latest Lucio code. Let's see, it should be right here. So the LED animation library uh, that Roy and Katney worked on is fantastic for so many reasons. And one of them is that there's this um, pixel subset helper that you see right here. Let me zoom in on this a bit. So I've brought in this library here called Animation LED, uh, Adafruit LED Animation Helper. And if you look at my setup, I have a little section here, which is your sort of typical NeoPixel setup, which is I'm saying on pin D5, that's where, that's the board uh, the prop maker Featherwing uses. I have 154 NeoPixel strip. And if you look at the next section below, I have this thing called pixel map. And this is where I'm breaking those up into sort of logical um, subsets, even though there's one digital pin controlling this sort of single physical strand. Uh, it's actually made of multiple physical objects. And so I can get that captured here with this pixel subset. And so I have one called strip A that's just pixels zero to 17. We actually, um, partition it off with the next number up. And then the next strip is pixel 18 to 35, so we ended on 36. So that's those first two 18 strips. Then my jewel is the seven pixel jewel. And then the rings, I'm currently actually flashing them all at the same time. All the rings are doing the same thing as each other. So it became easier for me to just call that a single uh, pixel subset or logical object uh, that's pixels 50, uh, sorry, 43 to 151. Uh, oh, I might have this number off. I think this is, I think this is off. I think this is 152. Um, change that. So if I want to control some of those rings differently, what I had originally done was this. I had ring A as one of the 16 pixel strips, ring B, ring C, and then my ring D is the 60 pixel set. Um, and now I can use those instead of this rings all in any of my other animation code and it allows me to maybe blink sequentially, or you can sync things up but have them in different colors. There's uh, so many different things that you can do using the LED animation library. Um, I can't get into them all now, but uh, if you look, I, I just showed a video. Um, I, I, I don't think I'll fire this one up right now because I just pulled it apart, but I just put up a video yesterday where you'll see it kind of doing the, the Lucio Blaster stuff that I, that I created a long time ago in Arduino, and now I have this much cleaner, more efficient version with the new hardware and, and running uh, in CircuitPython. And this was a lifesaver, this ability to do these pixel subsets. Um, sorry, I realized I was just looking at the camera from behind my code that whole time, so you couldn't see me. But uh, So that is, uh, that's my little update, and uh, that guide I'm uh, working on right now should be out pretty soon. So uh, look for that if you're interested in building your own prop blaster. Could be the Overwatch Lucio blaster, could be something else, but I think this is a, a really nice way to, to get a lot of functionality in a prop uh, using lights, sound, and uh, triggers, and accelerometers. So. 
Uh, all right, well, that is my update there, and uh, I think that'll do it. So, uh, quick reminder, if you want to come by and show something, uh, you can cr crawl out from your show-and-tell sign. Uh, you can come by here. Uh, I'll be with working cameras and everything in, inside my studio, and uh, that'll be at 2.30, uh, so about half hour from now, uh, 40 minutes from now. Uh, come on by and show something. And we will put up the link. There's a blog post I'll put up, and we'll also put up the link in Discord uh, right before it goes on. And it's a, a link to StreamYard where you can join in uh, with a camera, or if you've also got uh, a screen share you want to do, we can add that in as well. Uh, all right, well, thank you so much for stopping by. This has been John Park's Workshop and all kinds of weird mishaps in John Park's Workshop. Uh, and uh, that is it. I will see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.